Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Kave, and we are a medical type podcast. We talk about medical type things, sometimes not always. Joining me today, a special guest host. She has been on the show twice now, so she now has reached guest host status. Ashley Bartholomew, nurse extraordinaire. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you, you, Ash? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Can I call you Ash? Ash, I love it. Um. Did you ever watch the Army of Darkness or the Evil Dead movies? No. No, you're probably too young and too cool. Um, but if you're an <laughs> older nerd, the main character's name is Ashley. Oh, yeah. Is she hot? It's a he. <laughs> oh, it's a he. Okay. And yeah. Is, is he the answer. hot? He is. Um, and I've always thought it's a great name because I'm like, how cool is it? A name? That was the first time I realized, oh, man, a name can work for a guy or a gal. How awesome is that? I mean, some of us go both ways, Kave. It's okay. <laughs> I've I've heard. So uh, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Actually, my new neighbor here in Florida, his name is Ashley. And we're like the same mm. age. For all the neighbors, you know, there's Ashley and then there's like original Ashley. How do you like your neighbors? How's it going? Um, <clears throat> they're interesting. They won't, uh, they won't be listening. Don't worry. Yeah, one of them brought me avocados today, so that was very nice of her. But she reiterated that they're fully vaccinated, and they um, the avocados are fully vaccinated. <laughs> I I, the, I wanted to jokingly say that too, but she, you know, <laughs> she knew that we were quarantined, um, and so I, you know, from the yard, she left them at my doorstep and then texted Aww. me. Yeah, she's oh, wow. really sweet. But okay. um, tell us about the quarantine. What's that? What tell me about this quarantine? Oh, you want to just get right into it? Let's I get into it. I want to talk about you. I, I wanted to um, harass you. We never get to interview Kave. Who's on trial here? I mean, I thought with this new like rank that I, mm-hmm. I get to 
question you more. You absolutely do. You absolutely can. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, it is really cool that you had me on again. Um, even when you said it just then, you were like, oh, you've been on the show twice before. I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because you're such a great host. It's, it's, it's such a cool time. Um, yeah. Quarantined, um, you know, living in Florida. Uh, we, my kids were quarantined, not last week, but the week before. And now we are again this week. Um, so we made it, you know, three days of school and then quarantined for a week. And oh, then, one week of school and now quarantined. If you don't mind me asking, what uh, led to the quarantine? Was there an exposure? Is someone having yeah, so a, a, a COVID positive exposure? And so, um, thankfully, our school district um, said "f you" to the governor, and they implemented like a mandatory um, thirty day mask mandate. And so, prior to that, I was getting daily calls, um, like auto calls, um, of like you know, someone in the school has tested positive for COVID-19. Um, and thankfully we have all continued to test negative. Um, and my kids are really cool with wearing masks just because, you know, in El Paso is very accepted kind of a cultural thing. Like just, that's what people did there after yeah. things were really bad. And then here, when we got to Florida, they were kind of like, wow, mommy, like people don't wear masks here. I was like, yeah, I know guys. Um, so that was, it, it's been interesting kind of relocating and um, trying to meet new people and kind of make friends um, yeah. in, during a pandemic. Kind of weird. Right, right. Uh, and how's it going? Are you are you making new friends? I mean, or? listen, Patty, my neighbor, brought me avocados. So I think that's it's pretty, quote, okay. <laughs> that's pretty cool. That's a pretty, actually, that's a great neighbor to have. Like right. my, I mean, my neighbors don't bring me avocados. No, they don't? No. I mean, San Francisco is kind of weird. It's like, San Francisco in the neighborhood I live in, it's a very nice neighborhood and there's some really great neighbors. I have a couple right across the street, for example, but a lot of them are just really socially awkward tech type people trying to have a real conversation with them is almost impossible. Like there's these, there's like the two houses across from us are like, uh, like a $4 million house. And the people that moved into there, it still cracks me up that someone spent $4 million to like, look at me like walking around in my underwear, you know, in our piece of crap. And so like the super rich people across the street, you know, I'll see them every now and then they're like coming out to get into their Uber XL. And I'll be like coming out with my kids and I'll be like, Hey, Hey guys. And I'll wave and I'll be all excited to see them. And then they'll be like, Oh God, honey, get inside. The poor people are, are here. Oh. And it's like, they're afraid I'm going to ask them for like a grant or something. Peasants. <laughs> the peasants across the street. You know, it's so it crazy. Like they would be, um, they'd be great on the show. Oh, <laughs> I think when 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 COVID first came out, and most of the neighbors in the neighborhood avoided us like the plague because they were like two doctors. They're like just they assumed that we were just shedding COVID. You know, as we walked around, like just following us like a trail of dust or something. Anyway, so it, we're not we don't have our neighborhood isn't quite as cool. No, I mean, I'm not saying that mine is cool by any means. Just Patty across the street brought me avocados. That was cool. That was the highlight of my day. <laughs> Patty is dope. Have her come on the show next time too. Right. <laughs> I, I am glad that you are finding your your footing there in, in Florida. And, and I got to be honest with you. I know in a way it kind of sucks for you for now. I mean, you're going to get used to it. And you're going to be great. It's going to be awesome. But for me, I like it when people like you go to these places. And I'm suffer. Not- I'm not going to do it. 
I'm not going to do it, but I'm so glad that there's people in these places, moving to these places, living in these places. And it reminds me always that we can't write off huge chunks of this country because we don't like some of the people who live there or some of their politics. It's really dumb. I mean, we, we make jokes about Florida all the time, but I know you, I know great people who live in Florida. We talk about Texas all the time, but in reality, I mean, some of the most like progressively minded people I know are in Texas, you know, like it, it's for someone to me again in San Francisco in this weird bubble, <laughs> it's really important for me to remember and be reminded that this country is varied and diverse and there's a lot of great parts to it. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting point. And um, I mean, it's I've made it more public now, so you don't have to bleep this out now like you did before. Um, but obviously, my husband is military. And so I've, I've lived in a lot of places. And even just in this country, you know, how vast and diverse we are. And um, you, you can see that just, you know, by moving around as frequently as we have. Um, and it, it it kind of gives me a different perspective than I think that a lot of people have, um, you know, because we all, you know, we all live in our our own little world, right? Um, yeah. And so it's kind of cool because, you know, I've met and I've I kind of like to joke and say I've never met a stranger um, because I'm just kind of one of those. My personality, I, I can always find a way to kind of be friends with anybody. Um, and so it's different now though, with like COVID and the way things are, um, that doesn't feel the same as it did before. Um, because there's yeah. kind of, like, I kind of drew some lines in the sand, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's harder to make friends as you get older. I feel like I just don't make that emotional investment that easily anymore. And yeah. then on top of that, to have these limitations about it, you know, it's well, yeah, it's like impossible. I mean, you want to go run errands with me in my minivan with my three kids. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. We can go adult together. Like, come on. <laughs> right. Exactly. And now it's like, if I do hang out with people, you know, in a situation where I don't know them particularly well, my guard is just up. I'm like, mm, how close are you? I mean, you know, yeah. we, how much time are we spending together in this situation? How much do I trust this person to have, you know, been careful about their exposures, et cetera. So that's tough. It is, it is kind of a weird time like that, but I don't know. It's nice talking to you. I get to talk mm -hmm. to some people on Zoom. That's something I wouldn't have done outside of this. No. I'd be talking to somebody on, no, I was really, and I'm still not really technically savvy or technologically savvy, but uh, now I've learned how to like have communication and meet people and talk to people in other parts of the country and other parts of the world. And I, I, I'm being a silver lining kind of guy here. That's I love trying it. to say. I mean, okay. well, because there are stereotypes, right? You would assume, you know, military people or someone living in Texas or Florida or whatever. Um, and obviously yeah. compared to you and your weirdo neighbors that you have in San Francisco yeah. there. Yeah. And look, I mean, <laughs> look, now I can tell people I have a white friend. So thank you. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah, the the blonde are in there. Yeah. No, I, I have I have some of my best friends, like Ashley or yep. White. It's good. Um, anyways, okay. So let's, uh, our guest is here and our guest is ready to go. Uh, let's get her in just one second. But before we do, um, I want to thank Nadim for help with production. And if you guys haven't already followed us on Twitter, please do at the house of pod. Also, if you haven't subscribed to the show, leave us a review at iTunes. Our next guest is Kelsey. She's an ICU nurse in Wisconsin. She's written a lot about working through COVID. Um, and she's been very vocal 
and very open and honest about the experience. And I'm really glad that you all get a chance to hear her. So Ashley, just in case I don't have a chance later on, can you tell people where to find you or plug anything you would like? Um, you can find me on Twitter at the blonde RN. That, that's where I'm at. An excellent follow. I highly recommend everyone stay tuned. Listen to the soothing and melodious sounds of the resurrection. Today, not only do I have one very special nurse, I have brought another one on the show because we have a lot to talk about. We have Kelsey. She is an ICU nurse in Wisconsin, and she's been writing on Twitter quite a bit uh, for the last year and a half about COVID and her firsthand experiences with it and what she's seen and I think she has a really important voice, and I'm really grateful that you decided to come join us today. Thank you, Kelsey, for joining us. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You know, I'm struggling with something. I've had a lot of people reach out to the show to ask why it is that the rates of vaccination in nurses is lower than we would expect. And it's hard to understand for me. I think nurses are one of the most trusted professions ever. And they have seen firsthand, many of them, how COVID can kill people, how it can affect people. And they've also been exposed to this vaccine that's been shown in numerous studies that can, it can provide really great protection against severe illness. But there's a real problem right now that hospital administrators are having to deal with all over this country. It's that a lot of nurses are not getting vaccinated. And it's troubling to me. I don't understand why. The American Nurse Association has come out in favor of it. And still, the best statistics I could find on this are that about one in eight nurses aren't vaccinated and are not planning to get the shot. Some parts of the country, hospital administrators are saying that only half of their nursing staff is vaccinated. So, and actually, I don't know if you guys heard this, but in Nebraska, they're actually advertising for nurses. And as a bonus, they're saying, hey, you don't need to be vaccinated. Come here to Nebraska. So it's a real, it's a real issue. And I guess this is the impossible question that I'm hoping we can maybe at least address, at least start the conversation here. Why are the rates of vaccination in nurses lower than the vaccination rates in doctors? In, in... Woo, Kaveh, that's heavy. Um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll speak first um, so that I, we don't scare off our poor little guest, Kelsey. Hi, Kelsey. <laughs> First of all, shame on Nebraska for ever even saying that and, you know, touting that as a thing. Um, I definitely saw that and was sent it by dozens of people on multiple platforms. And um, that's just, that's embarrassing and disgusting and just an, a new low, um, which they continue to happen. Um, you know, these are um, interesting times, right? Mm -hmm. um, but when it comes down to it, I can say this because I'm a white woman. Most nurses are white women. Um, a lot of them are probably Protestant and of conservative values. Um, and within our own profession and in our own ranks, we have a lot of issues to deal with much more than just the vaccine. But if you 
can see what I'm trying to say along those lines. Um, you can see where some of the loudmouths from that group would come into play when these vaccine mandates come into play. Um, and what I have to say with that, though, is that, you know, we have the science, we have the data, you should be on board with it by those things. And if you don't quite understand that, um, then you should be on board with it just by, based off of the morals and the ethics of it. Because what do we say? You know, the heart of a nurse, nurses care about people, nurses are the trusted profession. But then on the other hand, we want to be the typhoid Marys that go and give COVID to like a chemo kid, like no, um, that's not acceptable to me. And so I have very strong opinions on that. Um, you know, personally in my life, we, me and my children, we don't spend time around anyone unvaccinated. And so I wouldn't submit ourselves to that um, in, you know, the, in the professional and the medical world, um, you know, as a, as a patient, I wouldn't want that. And I wouldn't want that for my children or my family. Um, and I wouldn't want that as a nurse um, to, you know, live with the guilt of if I was the one who infected um, this person's family member or this patient, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it, it just kind of goes against the, the basis and the roots of what we do. Um, and so I, I don't know where those people are, you know, getting their information from, um, but I am hopeful, hesitantly hopeful, that the majority of nurses are are more towards the vaccine than not. Yeah, and I had heard too about, well, you think about how many nurses there are, right? It's a, it's an enormous profession. And I don't know the, the numbers off the top of my head, but when you have any massive group like that, it's hard to get any huge group to be in consensus, right? Although you would think the vaccine is based in science, based in health, you're going into healthcare. But it's such a large group, like they compared nurses versus doctors, 96% of doctors, that same study, right? But there's such a fewer amount of doctors. And you think of the average doctor, certainly not all, they come from a place of far more privilege and probably, uh, obviously, much more education, certainly deeper education in virology and immunology and all those things. Um, and the term nurse is very broad there. I don't know if they, if it was like BSN only nurses, was it BSN and above? Was it ADN right. and above? Or was it, um, so when people say nurse, I mean, they pretty much take any woman in healthcare, any right. tech, any NA, um, and we'll call that a nurse. I would think for the study that, or the, whatever they were quoting for that percentage is people proven to be nurses, but, um, it's, there's a wide, you know, amount of education there as well that all qualifies nurses. So. Excellent points. And I've been talking to a lot of my friends who are nurses and trying to get a sense of this for a while. Obviously, there's there's a lot of male nurses as well. And just like you said, there's a, a pretty wide variety of nurses. But something that one of the nurses brought up to me just recently, and I haven't thought about that much, is that because uh, of the nursing population being predominantly women, and a lot of them in the childbearing ages of life, they feel that there's a lot of hesitancy just based on uh, potential side effects to, to childbirth. And now we know it's safe during pregnancy. We know there's no effects on the pregnancy. If anything, it's much safer to have it. And you might even pass on antibodies to the child. So we know it's a good thing, but there's still a lot of concern about that. Do you guys think that's something that you're, is that something you're hearing from other nurses? Is that something you think would be a potential spot that we could address and maybe we could focus on that? 
I have found that the people that I know in my life who are nurses and are not vaccinated at this point have had a long stance of being more anti-vaccine, not just specifically COVID. Um, I think that's a solid point though, that it's certainly more women and certainly childbearing age. Um, and you're right that there are even people who are very pro-vaccine who didn't get the COVID vaccine because of mixed opinions and mixed advice from OBs. So it's only everything I've seen has said, definitely get it while pregnant, definitely get it while breastfeeding. Um, but it doesn't seem like all OBs got that information. So right. certainly, a, certainly a thing, but we've seen many immediately postpartum moms on my unit. And it makes me just want to scream, please get vaccinated. If you're pregnant, you're so much more immunocompromised. The, the next thing I want to ask about is uh, how do you feel hospital administrators can deal with this? I mean, it, it's as strange that I'm empathizing with hospital administrators, yes. um, but I do kind of feel like they're in a tough spot and they're probably having to do some really messed up calculations right now. They're probably having to calculate, okay, how much of my staff is going to leave if I make vaccines mandatory versus how much of my staff is going to get sick and have to miss time and what other ramifications are we going to have to deal with if a nurse gives uh, COVID to a patient? I mean, to me, the answer is pretty obvious, even though it, it's a tough one. I acknowledge that it's not just so cut and dry to say that there's no problems if you make it mandatory. Obviously, it's going to be difficult. But how do you guys, how do you guys expect hospital administrators to, to function in this? And how would you hope that they would uh, function in this? Pay your nurses like you pay your travel nurses. Tell me, <laughs> tell, me tell us more about this. Cause I'll tell you doctors, we don't understand necessarily the difference in pay. And, I mean, do, and doctors, how that works. do doctors know how much or how well, how little nurses get paid? No, please tell us that. And please tell us about travel nurses and the differences between the two. I think that might help. A lot of us don't, I know a little bit, but it'll, it'll certainly help me and some of our listeners. If you explain what a travel nurse is and, and that's, sort I, of I have nothing to lose. So I'll put it all out there. I want to expect the same from Kelsey and that's fine. Um, don't feel like you have to share numbers, but I will say it outright. I got paid as a staff nurse with 10 years of experience. Um, $34 an hour in El Paso, Texas. Um, and then I left the OR and was thrown into COVID still $34 an hour, no bonus, no extra pay of any sort. Um, just $34 an hour. Then I left that job and I thought I was moving. I wasn't went to another facility and I was PRN officially, but they were so crunched on staffing that I basically worked part-time like two or three days a week and I got paid $40 an hour. Um, and I'll say numbers because I just tweeted this the other day that here now in Florida, um, someone called me because my information is out there now. Cause I got my Florida nursing license. Um, and someone called me, Hey, you know, like, again, they're calling me. I didn't contact them. They're cold calling me. Hey, uh, we got your, you know, we know that you're licensed in Florida and you're living, you know, in this area, we have this job, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, it's a uh, infusion. Do you have any experience in infusion? I'm like, yeah, I've been a nurse for 10 years. I did oncology, you know, a while ago and, oh, great. Okay. So it's for monoclonal antibodies. You'll be in PPE outdoors at an onsite 
location with drive up patients to administer IV monoclonal antibodies. And I was like, Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, so tell me more. And so they're <laughs> like, um, so it'll be COVID positive patients, but they'll be in their cars and you'll have your PPE and it's August in South Florida. Right. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, so I'm okay. Like, cool. I'll pick up a couple hours, whatever. Um, $25 an hour. I'm like, no, like I just hung up the phone. I was like, no, that's disrespectful. Like, no, I'll float around in my pool and be a, I go work at Target before I do that. That's crazy. Anyways, go ahead. It, they might have stronger uh, mandatory vaccination policies there. At Target. Yeah. Or, um, don't, don't, don't quote me. Costco. I don't know. Sure. Right. Maybe Costco. They seem to be better off. Um, so it sounds like if we pay the nurses on staff, as well, if not better than we're paying these nurses that we're hiring from other places to come in, you could maintain your nursing staff, you could ask more of them, perhaps such as a, a mandatory vaccine policy. Do you guys think that's an, a useful part of this? Yes, because the difference of that is also in my inbox, I have all these, you know, quote unquote, travel contracts for 100, 120, $150 an hour. So you the two are not comparable. Right. So like you can be, a, I would say on average prior to COVID, the nurses on my unit make anywhere between probably, I don't know, 50, 55,000 a year and probably $90,000 a year based on how much overtime you pick up, your seniority, stuff like that. And now I have a friend who just left working with us who just picked up a $10,000 a week contract out in California. So obviously that's not a long-term thing. That's a six week contract or something, but I mean, she's going to make a year's salary in six weeks. You could take the rest of the year off and not be exposed to COVID. And that's just, and yet the rest of us are still kind of feels like you're slogging along in the trenches, making pennies. And then travelers come in and make two or three times your salary, do the same job. And they don't have nothing more is expected of them, right? Like they come in and they do your job with you and you train them and they don't even get all the skills you have. Like I have all these advanced things I do on my unit. I can take care of any patient with any machine, with any condition. And they just take the same set of like super stable patients and they get paid two to three times what I get paid. It's extremely frustrating. And here we are 18 months in. It's not like that's a short-term solution for them travelers. You'd rather retain me for a fraction of that cost and not have to train me because I train everyone else. <laughs> you need me. Yeah. And this- I mean, and, and to reiterate, it is not a hate on travelers. Um, not so at all. That's the messaging um, because the travelers have saved our asses so many times, but um, to reiterate, it is a hate on administration and the way that they look at a potential for quick profit versus long-term outcomes for the patient. And we know that a well-oiled machine with all of the nuance, with all of the working as a team has better, nurses are not plug and play. Um, And with better outcomes when we're a well-oiled machine um, than when we are not especially in COVID where when you've been working it for 18 months, you've learned a lot of tricks along the way. You've learned what to expect. You can see a patient declining sooner than you could have in the beginning. You can see the normal trajectory they go through. You know what meds we are currently using. We know 
just a lot more about IV access and clots. And we can like the residents and the interns turn over like four weeks, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. they are learning COVID for the first time. Every four weeks, it's a whole new face. Yeah. And the nurses, those of us who've been there a while, have seen it. So it seems like you'd like to keep that position filled with someone who knows what they're doing, specifically with that population. I, you know, I, I feel the the role of the nurses, we've talked about them being heroes. I mean, we talk a lot about how s- stupid that term is when we talk about medical professionals, but we talk about the importance of nurses. And, you know, I, I'm in, in a way glad that I think it's this whole COVID, if I'm looking at all the positives, and I try really hard to look at the positives about this, one is that it's really been good at shining a light at how important our nurses are. Um, you know, as doctors, we know that, but I think there's been, this has been an amazing reminder of how important our nurses are because they're the ones really there all the time working with those patients. I go in, I see them, I, I leave. I don't spend as much time, nearly as much time as you guys do. So it, it, it's been good in that sense, but do you feel that public opinion has shifted on nurses? I mean, I feel certainly in the beginning for doctors, it was like pots and pans outside of windows and stuff like that. And now it's sort of like you shill for pharma. Give me my ivermectin. I love it. Love the taste of that paste. You know, I, I, I feel like it's changed a lot. Is it also that, that way with nursing? Yeah, I would agree. It doesn't feel like the most trusted profession anymore. No one gives a crap what we have to say. If you find out you're a nurse, you have even less credibility than you had before because you're a crisis actor now. Yep. You guys receiving that online or in real person or both? Both. What's, if you don't mind me asking, can you tell me about uh, a situation in real life where something like that happened? There are, I would say, probably almost 50% of our families of COVID patients don't, are not, I mean, well over, I mean, 95% aren't vaccinated, right? But neither are their families. And the number of those family members who don't think it's real, even when their loved one is dying of it, even when they've been in the room and have seen the loved one dying, they don't think it's real. And then they'll be like, you can't put COVID on the death certificate because it never happened. It's not real. There's something else. You're making this up. You know, we've had family members see us coding their loved one and they will say, um, I just don't, I just don't think it's COVID. I think it's something else. I don't know what it is, but there's something else here. That's this COVID thing. You made that up and you'll be like, but you're here, you're in here. And that's your person in that bed that, you know, that's not an actor. Right. And like us doing CPR on them was not made up. You can't just force someone to receive CPR. Yeah. And the people will, will still get so angry when they're like, well, then what did they die from? You'd be like COVID complications of COVID pneumonia, a clot, something. And they'll be like, I, I just don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) We have to laugh about it because if we don't, we'll fucking lose our minds. (laughs) Yeah. I've never seen anything like that before. I mean, it used to be, you'd have people in your ICU and they would just be like, thank you so much for, and still many people are very grateful. The majority of people are fantastic, but um, they're still, it used to be that people would just be grateful for your care and your time. Even if it's only one patient a week that, or one family a week, that's enough in a time like this with everything else you're seeing and doing and all the hell you're going through, that's enough to wreck you. That is insane. It's fucking insane. Well, we very rarely allow COVID visitors um, 
pretty much only for end of life for their safety and ours. Um, but wool element and the number of times you have to remind people to pull up their masks, not take off their masks to blow their nose, to not um, not kiss the patient who's yeah. in the room dying of COVID. You have to be like, I don't understand. Like you live in a different entire universe, like a different yeah. dimension of space and time because it's a respiratory virus. You guys know this. Like it's, yeah. and they'll be like, I, this, I think ahead. it ties into the, the moral injury that we talk about with um, people and patients denying just the reality of what's going on and then add in hospital administration, you know, having these same expectations that they had previously and just nurses as ourselves having those same, you know, I know that I like to deliver this level of care because I have these outcomes and this is how I was trained to do A, B, and C to get X, Y, Z. And when your system is overwhelmed because of these types of people and you're unable to give and do more, it is going to hurt you on a different level than it, than it ever has. And I think that is part of where we're seeing this nursing shortage and these these issues now in healthcare that we hadn't seen before. Um, although we caught some of us knew it was it was coming. Yeah, I'm worried about the future of medicine in so many ways, and uh, I'm worried about it for nurses a lot uh, as much as I am for the doctors. Are you guys? I mean, just like we talked about. Nurses get paid pretty well. I mean, as jobs in the country go, but for the amount of work you do, you know, you could get paid more. And obviously, I pander a lot to nurses because I'm terrified of nurses and they take care of me in the hospital. So take, you know, but it's true nonetheless. Um, so, you know, a big part though of why I feel nurses agree to do it is because it is has traditionally been the most trusted profession. And there is this, this feeling you get from being a nurse, I assume, which is that you feel like you're doing something for your community. You're doing something for the world. And that probably makes up for a little bit of all the shit you have to deal with both figuratively and literally. And the fact that you're not getting it that way, I mean, I, I don't know how that's going to I don't know how that's a feasible thing for the nursing profession in the long term, given how hard you guys work. So are you guys thinking in any ways about changing professions? Is this, have you guys reevaluated whether or not nursing is your long-term career? Go ahead, Kelsey. So early in the pandemic, like in the first month or two, that was the only time I ever said that I regretted becoming a nurse. Because I wrote when I was in kindergarten that I was going to be a nurse. I just knew it. It was a thing that I never questioned. I, and now I have my dream job doing what I can't imagine finding a better place. And even though nursing is extremely hard, thanks to uh, therapy and anti-anxiety medication, I feel much more <laughs> like I can uh, keep going. I work in a very unique environment though. I have a phenomenal team. I have fantastic managers. Uh, I have worked places before that my direct management, even though the job wasn't terrible, the job was terrible because of who I worked for and that's right. not the situation now. So um, 
I don't know if it's nursing that keeps me so much anymore, so much as the team that I'm a part of um, and what we've been through. So I don't have any plans to go anywhere. I love what I do, but it's very hard, even though I'm feeling okay, to see people that I really respect struggling and I've never seen them struggle. The number of people more senior than I am, which I'm pretty high up there, uh, who are questioning leaving, that makes you go, what am I missing? Right, 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 right. <laughs> what am I not seeing that these people were like the bedrock of this unit are looking to go somewhere else? Yeah, um, I mean, like I already said, I'm, not, I'm on sabbatical right now. I, I have a couple of health issues um, and then I definitely have major childcare issues with, like I said, a military family just really relocated um, three, very young children. Um, and so it, it is hard, although tempting because the altruistic nature in me, um, you know, wants to just jump right in. And, um, but then the rational side of me says, um, like, I know I'm already traumatized. I know like I, you know, my foot is messed up. I don't have childcare, et cetera, et cetera. Um, maybe I'll be a stay at home mom or work at Costco. No, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll <laughs> hey. go back, but Jesus guys, man, Costco, just for the free samples. Be uh, nice we, to the nurses. Shit. Just be nice to me. I'll come work for you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Kelsey, something I'm really glad you brought up was that, you know, you're getting therapy. I have to say another silver lining thing. I'm, I'm real positive cave today on this episode is that I, I like that I'm seeing health professionals talk openly about their mental health, talk openly about getting treatment for it. Um, and I, I think that's really important. I mean, like if mental health professionals are not able to be open and honest about how they're feeling, uh, then we are not going to make it. We're just not going to make it because there's, there's going to be such a mental health crisis. It's already happening, but it's only going to get worse. And there's going to be PTSD and there's going to be so much moral injury, burnout, all that stuff. And the very least we can do is be open about it. I mean, we're not going to get anything done unless we're able to talk about it. Health professionals need to be able to vent. They should be able to do this while providing the same excellent care that we are known to do and should be doing. But at the same time, we should be able to vent. We should be able to say what's bothering us. We should be able to talk about our mental health. And I really appreciate that you do that. And, and I really appreciate when doctors as well talk about that. I think that is just starting to change. I think we're mm -hmm. just starting to get to that point where we're able mm -hmm. to say, I, I hear, I see doctors saying stuff like, you know, I feel so much better since I started my ADHD medicines. I mean, I think a doctor 20 years ago would never have said that out loud. You know, I think it's really, I think that's good. Not that they weren't doing it. They were doing it. You know, they just weren't talking about it and living with that shame and with everything else we have to go through. The last thing you need is that shame, you know? Right. Anyway. I mean, this pandemic pushed a lot of us to the point where like things you may have hidden or been more, more careful about, you're really just like, fuck it. <laughs> like if I, this is what I need to do in order to keep showing up to work. And I mean, my bigger thing was like, I can't parent. I can't mm. be a parent because I'm so broken by what I do for my job. And for a while last year, like you couldn't leave nursing, even if you wanted to, like the just need for what we did, you would die at the job before leaving people stranded. I think it feels a little different now that there's a vaccine and people are choosing to make it. You don't feel as 
driven to have to go there, but um, that I couldn't, my job was breaking the person I also was when I was at home. And that yeah. wasn't the kids. So okay. it wasn't even like me trying to be strong. It was, they deserved a better mom. Yeah. So I did what I had to do. And now I'm like, well, oh, man, I wish I would have started that sooner than before, like mental health breakdown because of a pandemic. <laughs> I could have used that like 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting that what we were talking about earlier, like the hospital administrator side, they think of the people that aren't getting the vaccines. It might potentially be nurses who are of childbearing age, but you also have nurses are mostly women and women have a lot have, a lot of women have children and you know that's you know at the forefront of a lot of people who I have worked with and who I know um that early on especially were scared to bring it back home yeah. to kids and how that kind of broke us per in our personal lives um and then to turn around and go go to work and you know put on that mask and put on your, your face, like everything's good. Um, and you're worried and the guilt and the, just not knowing, um, that that's a different, you know, aspect that kind of adds to all of it too. Right. Um, I read but, something today that was about how nurses, many people slept away from their families in the beginning of the pandemic, mm -hmm. right? Like got trailers and stayed in hotel rooms and stuff. People didn't see their kids for like three or four months. And now, people to return even the slightest bit of the sacrifice that those people made won't get a vaccine that has been given hundreds of millions of times with zero hospitalized complications. Like that is hard not to be resentful from people who literally gave their home lives for yeah. their job. Yeah. And yeah. you will not get a vaccine that saves you from not from seeing us. You may still get COVID. Yes, but you won't see us most likely. Which I think ties into like the mental health aspect, right? So, I mean, I've been out there and I jokingly said too, you know, um, oh, I'm doing good because of my, my SSRI, which I'm jokingly saying it, but I'm seriously saying it too, um, is that just therapy works. And I hope, I, I hope the people that need it have access to it. Um, obviously that's, that's the other crisis yeah. that is happening. For too. sure. Yeah. That's that's where we'll end. We'll we'll end with a big oh, plug so for getting. Get, wait, hold on. It'll, it'll it'll get a little bit lighter. A big plug okay. for getting therapy. If you haven't, do it. If you need to start a podcast, it really helps. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll listen to it if you start a podcast. I promise. What else are you guys doing? Can you guys give me one piece of art, movie, music, book that you guys have been exposed to recently? that you appreciate it. And if you can't think of a single one, uh, I'm going to give you one. So is there, is there some piece of art or that you have been exposed to recently that you like that you would plug? Wait, is this like fancy or can I just say like, Oh, I watched Veep on. That HBO works. Oh, and it was hilarious. Veep. Yeah. Is it, wait, is it so on? Yeah. Ted, Ted Lasso. So Everyone's everyone loves the Ted Lasso. I get it. He's nice. Ted, yes. He's nice. Oh, okay. Great, I get it. He's nice and he has a mustache. Okay, that's but my art. That's is it. Veep? Netflix. I like Veep. Veep is great. What about you, Kels? I read the book The House in the Cerulean Sea. That what? book is fantastic. What's it about? 
it's kind of Harry Potter-esque. It's a man who leaves his home and goes as a social worker to this far off island and it's people or it's children that all have like super secret magic skills. And like one of them is the actual son of the devil and they have, he's like three years old and they have to get him to control his rage and other ones have magic powers. It's kind of Harry Potter-like in that okay. sense. I'm digging it. It's just really Satan. light, whimsical and sweet and like it ends really happy and I just needed to escape into it. I need to read that. House of Cerulean Sea, our new sponsor. House of Cerulean Sea, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I've never even read Harry Potter. So I say that from a place of, it was just fanciful and the world's too serious. Um, I read a autobiography by one of my favorite musicians by the name of Mark Lanigan. It's called Sing Backwards and Weep. And it is the most honest rock autobiography you will ever read. I recommend it. It's pretty amazing. If you have any interest in 90s music, grunge music, all that stuff. And I also was given this uh, hand pan. Yes, play it. Which I am trying to learn how to play. Here we go. Here we this go. This is, is how, this is how we'll close out the show. And while I'm doing this, will you guys please tell me where people can find you? I am at Nurse Kelsey on Twitter. I'm at the blonde rn on twitter uh kelsey say yours again i think it cut out a little bit at nurse kelsey at nurse kelsey all right thank you both for coming on the show i really really appreciate everything you do i really mean it um both in real life and on the interwebs you guys rock thank you kave thanks for letting the nurses take over love it yes let's do it thank again you. anytime yes. oh yes thank you so much appreciate it nice to see you guys we're not always so heavy. I should have drank another margarita, man. We're not, I feel like we're the not only time heavy. I talk to people outside of my pod, it's about something heavy and sad. Like that's all that the world wants from me lately. It's like, how bad is it though? Like, is it really bad? It's bad, right? I'm like, yeah, it's shitty. And they're like, is it really shitty? Like, is it really shitty? Have you seen dead people? And you're like, lots of dead people. Like really, like dead ones? <laughs> Fully dead. <laughs> okay. This podcast is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult a physician or other qualified health care provider for your specific health care needs or concerns. The opinions expressed on this podcast do not represent the opinions of our employees. Details in the podcast have been changed so that patient identification is not possible. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.